brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Now it's sippin' time. Hello and welcome to this Sips episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. I'm one of your hosts here at the table, good old boy Mike, and joining me for this episode is good old boy Jason. Good to be here. Our sip segments are all about wine, distilled spirits, tea, and coffee. Today we're going to talk about our favorite things for 2014. And whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. That's right. We're going to be talking about our favorite things from 2014. This is all of our favorite things that are in the spirits uh, for 2014. So all the distilled products. We're going to talk about our favorite whiskeys our favorite new distilled product for 2014 and possibly some of our favorite places that we actually got to enjoy some really great products for 2014. So I'm really looking forward to uh, this discussion, Jason. Um, should be a lot of fun. You're going to get our uh, honor of going over our SIPS ratings for our audience today. All right. Well, it looks like we have five ratings. Um, number one is give me a glass of water to wash out my mouth. Water. Number two, nice, but what else do you have? Well, isn't that nice? I think I said that a couple times tonight. <laughs> Number three, hmm, interesting. What was that again? Interesting. I think I've already used the word interesting 40 times. I think that may be my limit tonight. <laughs> Number four, let's keep this a secret to ourselves. Pour me another. That's classified. And lastly, number five, oh my, I was unaware anything could be this good. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah. That I have yeah. definitely said tonight. Yeah. <laughs> we really have uh, some great things to talk about. It's been another great year for Distilled Spirits with bourbon actually taking a very commanding dominance of shelf space. New products and major buzz. It has been a bourbon, bourbon, bourbon-filled world, that's for sure, on 2014. Our show today reflects uh, definitely much of that trend. And uh, Jason and I have had a chance to taste some products um, that are our short list of some favorite things for 2014. I'm going to talk about some of these, and then we're going to drift way off this list rather quickly. <laughs> so uh, at the first is uh, St. George. It's the XXX, a really fabulous product, um, and it was really great. We had it this year. Four Roses 2014 Limited Edition Small Batch. The 1966 Lubade Armagnac. Mitchers, 10. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, that a little bit. Uh, more than a little bit. St. George, Pear Brandy. The Lost Distilleries Blend, which is in high dispute for Jason in terms of uh, the label. So we'll figure yeah. out that mystery. And uh, we're going to both... I'm going to butcher it, and then you're going to correct me. The Nika Takasura. Uh, 17 year old I will, I'll take that okay all right I'll take <laughs> that a, that doesn't suck too bad <laughs> the teeling single grain uh, fuse their rye products uh, Tomatin 18 year old 
Um, and uh, we have had uh, some other things. Uh, Willet, um, that is only available in the gift shop. And what's the last one there, Jason? The William LaRue Weller. Yep. So uh, we've had uh, some really great stuff that we've actually been able to taste bust this evening as well as throughout the year that we'll get to talk about. So a really nice range of products to discuss on this episode. Now, um, I actually tried to locate the number of bourbon releases in 2014. <laughs> Good luck to you. I just looked all over the place, and I just, I really just, uh, I, I gave up. So I'm going <laughs> to guess... Um, it's probably been about 200 different uh, bourbons. I would say at least, yeah, for sure. Um, it's, uh, that's pretty crazy. I mean, I really don't know uh, how the average consumer can really navigate you know, that landscape of that many new products. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah, it really is. So if I had to sum things up kind of across the spectrum, you know, some things that I really saw for 2014, it's that the quality of everything just really got kicked up you know shelf space is really becoming a huge premium for retailers so you're not going to be able to rely on a pure marketing play you know with average product that looks cool has great packaging and expect to maintain that shelf space the consumers are just going to see that facade and they are they'll chase quality over packaging absolutely i really think we're dealing with a uh, an informed consumer base that um really understands a lot of what they're looking for right now um there are uh, a lot of other things that are kind of confusing you know the consumer as well and creating a lot of confusion there are multiple age releases there are different wood types there's declarations of blended and single barrel that I think are pretty suspect at times. Um, I mean, I would like to think that our show here is actually helping to kind of reduce some of that noise and really just talk about what's in the glass at the end of the day, because that's really the only thing. That's you all that matters. Because the retailer, the shelf space, all the mac- packaging, all everything else, the only thing you're left with is what's in the glass at the yep. end of the day. Um so uh, it really has been, um, uh, I, it's at times, a consumer minefield. I mean, I, you and I both walk in liquor stores, and I, I'm looking at the shelf as much as I'm looking at the other people. You know, sometimes when you walk in, and I just look, people look like a deer in headlights standing in yeah, front of They really shelves. do. I mean, there's so many choices now. I mean, it's tough. Um, and that eye level thing is, uh, you know, it's like, you know, I think people, it's just that eye level and they're looking up and down the shelf that, I don't know, that's just a foreign concept, you know, to a lot of average consumers or they think if they look up and for some reason that has perception and increase in quality as well as price. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, I don't buy that. Yeah. And what people don't really get is that most of the good stuff is in the back room being hidden by the retailer. Absolutely. And you, you have to know how to walk in and ask for it, you know, nine times out of 10, because they're not even going to put it on the shelf. Right. So they want to sell it to you, but at the same time, they don't want to just have sell it to any schmo at the same time. So discriminating retailers. Jason and I recorded one of our most popular shows this year on MGP, uh, M- the uh, Midwest Grain Products Show. Listen, uh, I would encourage you, if you have missed this show, you need to go back and, and listen to that. You really talk about confusion. I mean, uh, Jason absolutely pulled a fast one on me in the middle of the show <laughs> uh, with Cleveland bourbon. So here's a reminder of that clip for everybody. It's going to be uh, Cleveland 
uh, bourbon whiskey. Um, I'm sorry I didn't ask you, how long is this one aged? Well, I want you to tr- taste, taste it, it first, oh, and then right. I want to tell you. This is the surprise one. Yeah, this is this is the surprise. I've um, never had this before. Th- I will say there's two ends of the spectrum. Either people hate it or people love it, but when they hear the story, um, it's a very, very interesting story. Hmm. A very different nose. I can't put uh, my finger on it. It's... Uh, um, it's uh, it's sweet, but it's uh, it's a different kind of sweet. It's not a corn sweet. It's like a woody sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, you know, um, trying to think what that reminds me of. I'll think of it here in a minute. Um, hmm. Um, wow, this is uh, interesting. Yeah, um, interesting is definitely a word. Um, you know, I've had some things that are in um, French oak uh, that are very reminiscent of this. Uh, there's another product, uh, Breen, um, I think that's the name of it, um, that is uh, also uh, made in French oak. And um, that would be my uh, neophyte guess. Um, I don't know that I would put it... Um, hmm. Wow. I don't know if I'd come back to this or not. Um I can see having um, a two-finger glass of this and being done uh, and not having a second glass. Um, And for that, I'll probably rate this. uh, Sips rating for Cleveland's bourbon whiskey is going to be three. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting, but what else do you have? Um, That's interesting to me. So would you like to hear the story of this? Yeah, sure. Okay, so this whiskey is six months old. No way. Yes. Wow. Yes. So what, I can't believe that. It is. So what right. they did. I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> so what they did is they bought whiskey from MGP LDI and they brought it to their distillery and then they pressure aged it for 24 hours in a pressure cooker with wood chips to give it their own unique flavor. So this is the KFC of the bourbon industry? This is somebody (laughs) trying to speed up the aging process. Hmm. So, you know, instead of waiting 10 years for good whiskey, these guys are, in my opinion, opinion, putting out a decent product after six months. Well, I'd have to say, you know, hearing a bit more of the background story i totally give props out to that yeah um you know for the innovation alone um i am really shocked and i'm sure that there are a lot of purists that are throwing dull blunt objects at the radios right about now <laughs> going you suck <laughs> there is no way that, yeah. that is you can't even label that bourbon that's not aging that's like pressurized cooking crap um yeah, you know, I'm sorry, but don't knock it till you try it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, would be exactly what I would tell people. Um, so, uh, you think that's a trend? Uh, I do think it's a trend. Simply because uh, uh, su- supply and demand is so hot in the bourbon world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the availability of good wood barrel um, is in short su- supply. Do you think that there's going to be some other distillers going, that sucks. Hang on a second. Let me try that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I will tell you that every micro distillery is trying to speed up the aging process right now. And if they're not, they're, they're, then they're dumb. Because, I mean, waiting 10 years for a product, paying to put up those barrels, paying the tax every year it's aging, I mean, it's going to get really, really expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to have tens and tens of millions of dollars behind you if you want to do it that way. Mm-hmm. 
just a really fabulous clip and uh it's been but months you know uh since that happened i'm still blown away <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to this with you and you know i just i really it's uh it was a is a really fabulous show uh and this was just such a very small piece uh of, of a really great uh, show that we talked about such a broad range of products that day and um, I almost felt like I was a, a, a student at the table, you know, sitting with you as much as just enjoying, you know, talking, you know, uh, about those products. Really great day, Jason. Thank oh, you. Well, that was my pleasure. Uh, so have, has there been any more movement with producers that are kind of even going down uh, the KFC method? Uh, trademark. <laughs> Good old boy, Mike. 2014. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's just really unique, you know, about you know wanting to pressure cook mm-hmm. and force things into the wood like that well i can tell you a lot of people are messing around with different things you know you've got the Tuttletown, the hudson valley people um they age their whiskey in baby barrels and then they put subwoofers all around the barrels and play <laughs> hip-hop music so those barrels just are just vibrating exactly all the what time what kind of music are they playing you know i have I like the barrel that's that's really fun to bury Barry Manilow. Do you have a Barry Manilow? Do you have a Barry Manilow barrel? You know, that's that's exactly what I want to hear. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah, and then you've got, you know, you've got Maker's Mark with Maker's forty six that are putting extra wood staves inside the barrel to try to change the flavor up. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got lots of different people playing with uh spirals. They basically they take a piece of wood and they turn it into a long spiral so that as much surface area of the wood hits the whiskey when it's aging. But I mean, everybody's playing, but very few have actually come up with something very, very good. You know, very few. Well, I think as long as there is such a high demand for, you know, products that really you're looking for that essence of things that have been aged, um, I think you're going to continue to see, you know, a lot of experimentation around it. Oh, absolutely. always turn to cheat you know nature you oh know, absolutely uh, i mean you best as well you said it best i mean with the kfc method <laughs> uh patent pending um but you know i mean sometimes you, i mean you know you can't eat it ruth chris every single night you can't always have the nice stuff sometimes you got to go to kfc and and have some fried chicken <laughs> well i i still have to say that uh it really even listening you know t- to myself you know in retrospect um, I, I remember just how flabbergasted I was, you know, uh, tasting that. It just really was uh, unlike anything that I'd, that we had at the table that day. Yeah. But uh, still, even looking back at it, I, I really have to applaud the measure of innovation and the flavor profile that mm-hmm. they had in that. It was really uh, quite good. Well, the micro distiller market is just really going very well. It's actually up 30% in the U.S. alone. And swinging now at over 600 distilleries in the U.S. That is just, uh, that is crazy. It is. A look at the, uh, in, if you look back at the pace of growth year over year, um, I mean, if you look back just like 2004, 2005, there were only 50 distilleries God, in the U.S. God, that's just nuts. <laughs> that's just crazy. So if you think that the shelf space is crowded, I really just don't think you really have seen anything yet, yeah. Uh, because you know they're going, there's they're going to have to, you're going to have to grow the consumer space. There's just not enough, there's just not enough room, no, in, in the consumers for all of those people to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I would have to say that the uh, elements of exporting 
um, is definitely going to have to play a very heavy hand in that many distilleries in the U.S. alone. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> this is this phenomenon is is actually not unique just to the U.S. I mm -hmm. mean, there are other countries where you're seeing some of the same growth patterns. Certainly not the same number of distilleries, but certainly in terms of the percentage of growth. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I would say is uh, very much uh, the case. Absolutely. You know, with uh, that many white lightning factories, I really have. <laughs> high expectations of what's going to happen in the next five years as well now 2014 produced some really great products and we're going to get right to talking about some of those so uh a first question up is jason what was your favorite product for 2014 well i like i tell everybody who asks me what my favorite whiskey is it's always hard for me to pick the number one so um you know let's set aside all my past favorites and what stood out to me the most this year to be unique and different and just you know outstanding was the william larue weller um and that comes from buffalo trace distillery which is a subsidiary of sazerac mm. fabulous uh fabulous product and um i got to enjoy some here with you tonight so yeah what what did you like about it so much well okay so william larue weller is the weeded whiskey uh recipe from buffalo trace um but this year's release was something very very unique it was the first time that it was ever a hazmat whiskey and, and if you can't see me i'm putting that hazmat in quotation marks air quotation marks i don't have a sound for air quotation marks jason <laughs> but basically what that means is it's a it's a uh, liquor product that's over 140 proof and that and the reason we call call it a hazmat whiskey is because you can't take it on an airplane with you it's actually a hazardous material hmm. so you can't ship it through normal mail it has to go through ground shipping um so this product came out to 70.1 percent alcohol or uh 140.2 proof um, which was the highest proof a weeded whiskey from buffalo trace had ever gone to and i will tell you that it keeps the nuances of the sweet wheat that is you know pappy is famous for that weller 12 is famous for but it adds a new level of spice and heat that comes with a high proof whiskey so in my opinion it was mixing of the two great worlds it was the the spice of like a george t stag you know something that's high proof you're you're sucking on a piece of wood but then it gives you that sweetness that that creaminess the chocolate of a weeded whiskey i mean just absolutely fantastic what's your sips rating for that oh if it goes oh above a five then i give it a, anything above a five but we'll go with a five for tonight definitely oh my i was unaware anything could be this good <laughs> so i had a chance to uh, taste this uh, tonight and this was my first time actually tasting this and uh you know, I think uh, one of the things that, you know, kind of caught my attention was it was actually a little bit hot, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I had it in the glass. And um, I think that was my initial reaction. Um, now, this is cast strength. Yes. Right. And it's uncut <clears throat> and unfiltered. So yep. this does not go through the normal chill filtration process that most whiskey does. Well, uh, so I actually dropped a half ice cube in it and it just uh, completely opened up for me. Yeah. Um, and... Um, I really just, this, uh, so some of the things that I was saying about this is this is the perfect uh, product for cigar pairing. Oh yeah. It was just so rich and it was so full. I can see that if you're enjoying something else with this, um, I think it would, it would be all the better. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was one of the things that I really 
felt would play very well with this product was uh, a lot of pairing you know opportunities with this um it uh it was very round it was very full it was very full bodied um i didn't think it was too sweet i didn't think it was too hot after you know just cutting it just a hair um but uh really fabulous product i'm i'm the same oh my five. yeah a solid five yeah. for that product really yeah. great product and uh, it was really fortunate that uh, Jason brought that along. So I don't it, know. It may have influenced my own choice here. <laughs> well, I mean, can't you just imagine drinking this by a campfire with a bunch of people out in the cold? I mean, what a whiskey to warm you up and keep you happy. I think I'd want him naked. <laughs> <laughs> I want clothes, but everybody else would be naked. Have another. <laughs> That's exactly how I want to enjoy that. I'll, I'll be the fat old man sitting around with a cigar going, go ahead, enjoy. Um, so uh, my favorite product uh, is actually going to be Mitcher's 10. Um, and there's a little bit of a story you know, behind this as well. So the craze is on you know, for what I describe as full flavor bourbon. Um, and I'll just call it, everybody's chasing the Pappy tasting profile. Um, like that is the one and only. Now, for those of you that are unaware, uh, Pappy Van Winkle produces some really great products, but it's also in short supply and the prices have just gone absolutely crazy <laughs> for this. Um, you know, with the average bottle now hitting about $1,000 a bottle, I mean, you really have to pause um, to wonder what's actually in the bottle, you know, for that price. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so there's a little bit more here to the story because uh, during the week that, uh, so they have uh, two releases of Pappy. They have one around April and they have usually have one really late, usually around December. Which I will tell you now they've changed. It's just once a year now. It is once yep, a year demand, It's Supply is so short. It's once a year right before Christmas. So, uh Jason and I are emailing each other back and forth because I had a short list of places that I was going to be able to find it. And uh, then um, Jason was looking at that short list. And by the time I even hit send, it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jason and I were even, we were talking about the prices of some of the things that were going on with Pappy, you know, during December. We could probably have a whole show just not even talking about the products just about how crazy the prices are getting that, that now really got i mean it was just really <laughs> quite nutty so uh so um this uh product uh interstage left uh for uh mitcher's 10 so this product uh has actually been around for some time this is not a new product no it's actually a resurrection of an old distillery yeah um, so I actually got introduced to this product uh, during a blind taste testing. Uh, Jason was asking me about this earlier. And um, so I was at a blind taste testing. There were about 15 products in this blind. I had no idea you know, what we were tasting that evening. Um, and it was a broad range of stuff. It was just, you know, sniffs, swirl, and, you know, tell us what you like, you know, kind of thing. And it was a really broad range of stuff. Um, the Mitchers 10, you know, was, was there and the Pappy 23 was in this lineup as well. And I wound up with maybe four glasses of the 15 that I was kind of sitting there kind of mulling over. And those two were very, very close to each other. And I kept on going back and forth. And again, this is a blind tasting. I'm just sitting there with a glass with a number on it. That's all mm -hmm. I knew. And I kept on going back and forth and back and forth. And finally, I was like, you know what? There's just something about this one in this glass. It just has an X factor. I can't 
put my finger on it, but uh, that's it for me. These are like super close. So uh, they ended up doing the reveal of uh, what was at this blind tasting. And so that's when I saw that I really kind of put those two products, you know, in a heads up, you know, uh, manner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just ended up uh, picking the Mitchers over everything else in that tasting, um, including the Pappy. Um, it was just super, super close. Um, you know, the thing that uh, I really remember about the Mitchers was, um, and the Pappy was, it, it really had... It was ringing so many bells um, of that full-bodied, you know, flavor that you're really kind of looking for. Um, it was very smooth as well. Yeah. Um, that's one of those things where I could get lost with the number of glasses I've had of that rather quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, somebody would walk by and go, uh, that is your sixth glass. Are you sure you <laughs> want another one of those? So, um so there's a little bit of a sleight of hand here in that um, there's actually uh, some of the batches of Mitchers is exactly the same distiller as Pappy. Correct. Now that's uh, all the Weller. Correct. Now that's all the twenty and the twenty-five year old whiskey was original Stitzer Weller whiskey, and I, yeah. I will tell you, I've been fortunate enough to taste some of it, and absolutely out of this world. Well, I'm, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think the one thing that. Uh, uh, I'm a little upset at myself was I walked away from that evening and I actually didn't take some closer pictures of the bottle to see exactly which batch I've had. Yeah, because, which year it was. Because there have been multiple batches mm-hmm. of miniatures and I've had it since. Um, and it's still really fabulous. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, uh, I, I just, I'm probably remiss and I'm probably not picking up the exact same product that I tasted, but that evening it really captured my attention. So, and I think that's a very common problem, um, that you have with, um, with, especially with some high end bourbons. So well, I don't say high end bourbons, but I think things that they're barrel aged that you really kind of have to really pay attention to the elements of bottling and understand specifically the reference to the cask or the barrel, the elements of blending that have been applied there Mm -hmm. um, because there can be uh, variations um, definitely along the way. Yeah. I I mean, I can tell you, I just had this exact conversation with my father. My father is a big wine collector and, you know, he collects every year's worth of, you know, Schaefer Hillside Select. And he says that every year tastes different. And, you know, when it came to whiskey, I was telling him, well, you know, I like to collect, you know, every year's worth of antique collection or Pappy. And, you know, he asked the question, well, isn't it all the same? I mean, don't they just try to come up with the same exact stuff every single time? And I asked him uh, the follow-up question, well, is there a difference between, you know, an 89 and 96, you know, Silver Oak or Schaefer? And I mean, he went, oh, yeah, there is. And I said, well, there is in whiskey, too. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, Absolutely. You know, so it's an interesting play because... um, you know, I, I, I see both sides of the you know conversation so clearly. Um, I mean, I don't know that you could compare you know a product that is made by nature um, with a product that is influenced by nature mm-hmm. um, and has such a heavy hand, you know, of, of it actually being created as opposed to something that you're you're just relying upon whatever you know comes off the vine, you know, for uh, wine. But at the same time. You still have elements of nature that's really coming into play, which is the wood, weather, um, 
temperature. Oh, yeah. Um, even the position within the, the barrel house itself. Oh, yeah. You know. and, and going back to your wine example, not to mention the corn or the rye and where it came from and how long it was grown for and how the seasons interacted with the crop. I mean, there's just a ton of factors that go into every year's batch. Yeah. So uh, back to the Mitchers. Uh, so my tasting notes um, that I captured there, really big flavors of wood. It had kind of this sweet citrus overtone to it. Just this really big, nice, long, lingering finish. I mean, it just kept going on and mm-hmm. on and on and on. Very easy for me to say the same thing. My sip, my rate, my sips rating is a oh five for the Mitchers yeah. time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And I will tell you, I've been fortunate enough to try um, many years worth of Michter's 10, and I'm right there with you. I mean, it definitely deserves a a five rating. And um, I will tell you that, you know, I think one of the biggest reasons why it is so good and it's what they they claim is their their difference and their ability is the the filtration process that they use on their whiskey. It really just rounds it out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that word. Uh that is such a great description of the, a rounding component mm-hmm. to that. There are no really sharp edges, you know, on that flavor profile. And that's true of the Pappy as well. Yeah, you know, it's just absolutely. Kind of, um, it, it, you know, everything's there and it's distinct, but they're not like sharp elements of, you know, of taste, you know, where mm-hmm. you go, wow, that's a lot of wood. You know, you just say, wow, there's wood there. There's a difference between those, you know, statements. So... Um, so listen, uh, I would, uh, if you'd like to actually check out a really great blind tasting, um, discussion on Mitchers, I actually want to, uh, tell you to check out a blog, uh, from a friend of the show called Smoky Beast. Um, and there'll be a link, uh, for this, uh, breakdown of a tasting of Pappy 23 versus Mitchers. And it actually breaks things down on a, uh, a barrel by barrel level, uh, across, uh, four different bottles as well so it's it's wow. really cool i think you'd enjoy reading it as well jason um, yeah absolutely i really love uh just the um i don't want to say the scientific method but um i love the uh the approach that he and his wife actually took to that tasting and and how well they documented it it just was really uh it was quite good uh, you know <clears throat> if i didn't know any better he was at that tasting so um <laughs> i mean it was uh it, it was just so good um well, the uh, the one thing uh, that I don't want to slip away is the other thing that you have here on the table because, um, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the so I am a, flan- a fan of Willet. I, I the, but the only Willet that I drink on a regular basis is just the one that is the cask. It's in the big bottle. It has kind of big uh-huh. fruit on top of it. Um, the one I, that fits nowhere. It doesn't. It doesn't fit anywhere on my <laughs> shelf, you know, except at the top. Um, but the uh, and I had the XFC, uh, which was released this year. Um, was it X, X, XCF? XCF. I knew I'd blow that. See, just like that. Exploratory cask finish. I think is what it yeah, is. Yeah, I'm going to call it the orange bomb. <laughs> Yeah, I can tell you. It was so funny because I was in the liquor store when I bought that bottle and I opened opened it to let the clerk try it. And um, I bought two bottles and uh, he and I both uh, shared a glass and we tried it and I looked at him and I go, can I give you back the other bottle? (laughs) Can I sell it back to you? (laughs) And so I am watching all these people react when this bottle came out. I didn't get to uh, have any of it in advance and... Um, I just, uh, 
you know, I was watching all these tasting notes and stuff. And uh, so our mutual friend, uh, Ryan, um, and I were, were chatting online, and he was tasting it at the same time. And he was like, oh, Mike, I just, I don't know. He, you have to come try some of this. And <laughs> so I came down. I, I had a couple of a drams, you know, with him. And I'm like, wow, you can, you, I don't want that. <laughs> I mean, I was just, I was not, it just, it was not what I think of, you know, when I was thinking of Willet and it was just such a huge departure from, you know, a really great bourbon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really love Willet, but this animal that you brought tonight. Oh, yeah, the, this is an animal. Shop, uh, was really amazing. Why don't you tell everybody about this other product that you brought? Yeah, well, this is um, the Willet Family Reserve. Um, this is in that same bottle that the antique collectioner, the Eagle Rare, is in. And this is a 21-year-old. Um, it is barrel number C10A. Um, and I bought this at the gift shop up at Willet. Um, they this barrel only yielded 83 bottles, and we're drinking bottle number 39. Um, once again, you can see my taste profile. Uh, this bottle is 72.2 percent alcohol, or 144.4 proof. Um, but this is a weeded distillate from Heaven Hill. So this is the Bernheim recipe aged at Willet for 21 years and then bottled at cask strength. And I will tell you that this is one of my favorite Willet bottles that I've ever tried. Um, and there's a bunch of these out right now, these 21-year-old wheats. There, there's the Weeded Warriors, there's C1OD, there, there's a bunch of different ones. And I will tell you that, I mean, it's just, if you can get a bottle, I mean, you're going to end up paying a fortune for it, but it is absolutely just incredible. I mean, the dark chocolate on it, it's just absolutely fantastic uh so what's your sips rating on that uh well a five yeah. a five or higher if we could go oh higher my. <laughs> oh my i was unaware yeah. anything could be that good yeah. and i actually got to taste it for the first time tonight uh as well um you know I, I think jason enjoys watching my reaction as much as you know you you guys actually enjoy listening to me talking about uh the taste profile of these things you know, um, if I had to describe it, it's like a uh, it's like a fish ladder uh, for your palate that's just cascading down on just multiple staves of wood, and um, on the top of each stave is just a layer of chocolate tootsie roll. Oh yeah, <clears throat> and so you have just kind of this rolling effect, you know, that's going down through your palate, and you have just this constant, you know over and under and over and under that's going on you know just through these elements of wood and sweet and wood and sweet and then it just keeps on going on and on just a really fabulous product um you know i i know that i'll probably never get to taste it again so it's definitely a five in my book so we actually broke a golden rule here on our show we you know we usually don't like to talk about things that are whales that nobody will find and (laughs) We actually, you know, we have, uh, so we actually have more than one whale, uh, you know, here, um, even at, uh, in the studio here tonight. The St. George, you know, XXX is, you know, a very special uh, rendition of, uh, you know, their their uh, their single malt uh, scotch. And, uh, you know, I went to great lengths, definitely, to land that bottle. And um, it was definitely not, uh, not cheap either. Um but it has some of those same characteristics where the uh it's like everything is amplified 
that you just never you never tasted anything like that before and um so i'm really glad you brought the willet tonight because uh it was that was a real treat so i really appreciate it yeah it was my pleasure <clears throat> all right well uh we're out of the gate talking about our favorite things so far and uh, we're gonna take a quick break here and when you come back uh we're gonna pick up on another clip from the art bag uh story and uh then we'll chase right into talking about some of our own favorite things as well we'll be right back Yeah, uh, Jason. Uh, what are what are uh, some of your comments about some of the other uh, scotches that were not? Um, you've talked about the Lagavulin and the Lafroy. How about both the Ardbergs? Well, the Ardbeg Yugadal um, is very interesting. Um, I would probably give it a sips rating of a three. Interesting. Um, which is hmm, interesting. What was that again? And um, I would comment that it's very heavy on the peat. Um, but it has a very leathery um, taste to it. Almost um, reminds me of, like you were saying, the bagpipes going off. It definitely is a scotch drinker's scotch. Um, the Ardbeg Alligator. Um, I will say that this one seems a little different to me. Um, it's very heavy on the peat, but it's almost got a slightly bitter taste to me. So um, I'm going to have to give it a sips rating of a two. Wow, isn't that nice? Um, I know that this might offend some other people at the table, but I will say just, you know, for my palate, um, it, it's slightly too bitter for me. It's not what I look for in, in a whiskey. I like something with a little more sweetness, a little more citrus notes. Capello! Braver than a bullfighter with no knickers on! <laughs> yes, he went out on a limb as he offered up that rating. <clears throat> just like a Scottish uh, soccer player, football footballer. <clears throat> um... So uh, this this is uh, this is exposing a little bit of some of your palate disposition between you two as well. Oh, we're exactly opposite of oh, each other. I, yeah, I definitely. You know, we, we've debated on this for years. You're, we will. You're really, all Pete, and he's he's all mm, not Pete. You know? yeah. so. we, we may have to take this outside. <laughs> um, so I. I, I just a, a really great clip from a really great episode where we actually went through a series of scotch from Isla and uh, several uh, Ardbegs, and I mispronounced that. <laughs> and uh, the thing that I love is, at least I stay consistent. You Jason. do. You are consistent. I, 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 at least I butchered it well and often. <laughs> and I've done the same thing as this same episode. So I, I, let's see. I say it as Mitchers. And I say it as Michters. Michters. All right. So <laughs> we're going to go with Jason's call on this because that's the correct one. And it is definitely not Mitchers, which is what I am saying it as. So please do not walk into your retail store and sound like a boob idiot uh, when, I, when I'm talking about that. So uh, I'm going to get my mick on and uh, definitely talk about the right product for sure. Hey, well, I'll just go ahead and say, I can't tell you how many times I've been to a liquor store and had somebody ask me for, hey, do you have that uh, that peppy? I need that peppy. I think it's peppy wankle or stankle or what's it called? You know what, dude? You're not worthy. Back of the line. 
I'm sorry. There is nothing here for you at all. <laughs> Head to the parking lot. Right? Uh, take a take a bottle of Boone's Farm on the house for free. Get out. <laughs> Definitely. Well, uh, we have uh, some more favorite things to talk about, and uh, the thing that uh, we wanted to pick up is actually talking about our favorite new product um, of the year. And uh, so, Jason, I'm going to let you start off with your favorite new product for 2014. Well, okay. So we all know that, you know, I, I own a product and, you know, I will tell you that one of my favorite things, one of my favorite trends is the barrel finishing. Mm-hmm. And I will say, like not to toot my own horn, but my uh, Cumberland Cask Ruby Cut is one of, in my opinion, one of the special spirits out of Tennessee. So, you know, relating back to home relating back to the craft spirit and what we can do i i really do think it's something unique it's something special um you know i just thought it was really interesting that me being somebody very small came out with a first for tennessee which was basically a whiskey that was aged and then saw a second barrel i mean how many bourbons and scotches and irish whiskeys and japanese whiskeys have seen a second barrel for this barrel finishing and you know the big companies in tennessee had just been resting on their laurels and never done it so you know we did a first here by coming out with a port wine finished tennessee whiskey so that was my favorite new product as a local pick Hmm. now if, if i was to pick a product across the united states you know i really love what sazerac and buffalo trace does with all their whiskey i mean it, it you can pick pretty much anything from them and i will tell you it's one of my favorites i mean that it really just is i mean i love the eh taylor line with all my heart i, I just love it um and i love the antique collection i mean every year it's something you new it's something unique and it's just incredible well you know and, and i'm a fan of the uh buffalo trace experimental series as well oh yeah and it's very just uh, um <clears throat> it's almost like you've walked into you know the mad scientist uh you know product lab yeah and you're getting to see you know all of these elements of different wood types and different aging characteristics um that are being applied you know uh, right there in the factory and i don't know if this you know um just really kind of you know started on a lark or you know how they kind of went down that path of creating that series um i want to say uh they call it the white white oak project or the, are you talking about the single oak project? Well, there's the single oak project. There's two. There's, there's the single oak and, and then, then the Buffalo Trace experimental, experimental collection. Series. But they both have, you know, some very similar characteristics. Oh, yeah. And that you're seeing where they're playing around with different elements, you know, along the way. And um, I really just, I really love that. And um, uh, really a, a huge fan of that for sure. And I, I will agree with you. I mean, that series is so cool. I mean, how, how unique is it that they make the consumer the master blender master taster i mean that it's just so neat i mean every year they come up with a couple new ones and they're always just super interesting well jason and i had an inter- interesting moment we were both at a uh, industry tasting together and uh we both ran across what we thought was emblematic of a trend um but this particular product definitely captured our attention for the evening why don't you tell everybody about the white oak Okay, well, the white oak is um, basically it's a Japanese um, malt. <laughs> it's a Japanese malt whiskey. I say um, fill my cup up in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's basically, you know, the way I look at it, it's it's kind of the entry into the category. You know, most Japanese whiskey in America is 70, 80 and up. 
on the shelf. And this one is going to hit right in the mid thirties. I mean, it's really like the entry into the category and you know, what a great entry also. I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic. And you know, I, I applaud the Japanese. I mean, they were really forward thinking. I mean, these guys were making and recreating, you know, what the scotch were doing in Scotland and what the bourbon makers in Kentucky were doing. So these guys, you're going to, you're going to see them huge trend in the industry with all this Japanese whiskey coming over to North America, especially ever since, you know, Suntory bought out Beam and now has a direct path to releasing all these products in North America. Well, so the the tasting profile of this was the thing that really captured at least my attention that evening. I was really shocked at how much peat there really was in this. Oh, yeah. And I just... Uh, I mean, some a lot of the other Japanese whiskeys, you know, that I've had are really good. I, I find their their uh, their distillation and aging process has really, I don't know, it's, it's like somebody turned a dime, you know, in the last mm-hmm. you know three or four years, and there's like a whole new gear, you know, um, for so many products. Um, and I think it was the measure of peat in this that I was like, whoa, wait a second. I'm sorry. What continent did this come from? Because uh, I would say it was really hanging tough with, uh, you know, some some of the best scotch, you know, that, I, that I've had um, lately as well. We actually have another Japanese whiskey here uh, tonight, um, which is the Nika Takasura, the 17-year-old um, as well. Um, you know... Uh, I'm not so sure that this is really in the same, you know, thought process, you know, that I had about uh, the the white oak. And I think about a, a number of really great, you know, Japanese whiskeys that are, you know, on out out and about right now. Um, this definitely had a lot of peat on it, but I thought it was rather sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was really... Frank is a little disappointed with this. It's, it's um, a little too light. Um, my sips rating for the Nika Takasuro 17-year-old was uh, actually a three. Uh, which is hmm, interesting. What was that again? Because you know, that was kind of my general reaction to it as well. Is that I was kind of waiting for? Is there something else? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, behind this. But there have been just a number of really great Japanese whiskeys on the market, and so this product that we saw from White Oak, um, I definitely would keep your eye out for that um, hitting a shelf uh, around you in the very near future um, to definitely see that. Well, I wanted to talk about uh, one of my favorite new products this year and something that Jason is just going to have to stomach his way through here. So my favorite new product is actually from St. George Distillery. It's their pear brandy. Um, Now, St. George Distillers uh, makes a very broad range of products. Um, And uh, this particular uh, product definitely captured my attention. They were founded in 1982 by German Borg Jörg Rupp. Uh, St. George Spirits is one of the oldest craft distilleries in the United States. The distillery housed in an old World War II airplane hangar on a formal naval base, former naval base, toy boat. I is at the edge of San Francisco. <laughs> I know. I'm going to get through this yet. Hey, we've been drinking too much 140-proof whiskey already. Uh, yeah, you know, give me another. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Um, it's actually the home to Lance Winters. He is the mad scientist at St. George um, Master Distiller. Now, Winters is widely known for experimenting with different types of spirits. He has a laboratory dominated by a 10-liter test still, in addition to the glass beakers and graduated cylinders that cover every inch of his counter space. Now, next to the dusty chalkboards, yes, I said chalkboard, 
um, is actually caked with equations for conversions of sugar to alcohol. I usually like to keep track of the number of beers that I consume within a certain period of time, but this guy is actually doing work. Um, he actually has intricate diagrams of molecular structures on bottles of experimental whiskeys, vodkas, and he's actually aging a bottle of balsamic vinegar. Um, it's already 14 years, actually, just kind of sitting there on his desk. Wow. <clears throat> so uh, their objective with uh, the pear brandy, as Winters explains, was to take an olfactory snapshot to capture exactly what the pear smells like at the peak of ripeness. Now, brandy is uh, a very aromatic, um, but uh, this is aromatic with a capital A. <laughs> um, it is, uh, they use a dry farmed organic Bartlett pears, which are then distilled with their stems and leaves, everything, and they pack about 30 pounds of fruit into every single bottle. Good gosh. I mean, this is. Uh, definitely um taking uh distilling to a new uh level for sure my tasting notes around the saint george pear brandy it actually has an aroma of sweet citrus and pears that give way to notes of apple caramel oak cinnamon and of course pear pear and more pears and my sips rating for this product is oh a my five. Now, I'm going to caution good old boy Jason here <laughs> that he is not a fan of brandy in general, but I will ask you, what did you think of this? Well, I will tell you, you know, when I when I first tasted it, you know, of course, the initial reaction was, oh, my God, what was that? <laughs> um, I really wasn't expecting what it what it was. But, you know, now that I was getting I'm, you back for the whole Cleveland birthday. <laughs> That's my that was my sole objective. <laughs> Well, and I will tell you now that I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm smelling it. I mean, when you smell this product, it just, I mean, it smells like you just went to the store, you got a, like a great pear and you just cut it in half and you just held it up to your nose. Yeah. I mean, this just screams pear. And then when you taste it, you know, we, we were having that discussion of, I wonder what this proof is because I mean, this is really, really smooth. And we found out that, I mean, it's 80 proof, yeah, which is and, very approachable for a brandy. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're talking about comparing this to like a vodka and I will tell you, this is a lot easier to drink than a vodka neat. Um, so, you know, I'm going to give this a sips rating, you know, personal opinion cool. of a four, which is let's keep this a secret to ourselves. <laughs> Pour me another, Wow. which I will say is, is very unique for me. And I will tell you, it's just because, I mean, if you are going to make a pear brandy, that's it. I mean, you can't get better than that. You know, I feel like my work is just starting here. I feel like I've converted Jason. <laughs> it's just a baby step. But, oh, my goodness. You know, of all the things that he has on his shelf, um, you know, I, I have a feeling, you know, a small bottle of this might wind up there some somehow someday. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful. Well, you know, uh, we've both had the chance to take in some really great places and experiences this year. And I wanted to take a moment and talk about uh, some of the uh, really great experiences as well uh, that we've had. But um, let's take a quick break here and come back and we'll talk about uh, some of the bars and events that we got to go to as well. We'll be right back.
Hey, welcome back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. We are talking about our favorite things in the spirits and distilled products for 2014. Joining me here at the table is good old boy Jason. And we want to pick up our conversation talking about, you know, some of the you know favorite places that we've been to. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm actually going to kick off the conversation here because um, the thing I loved about this was is that you and I have both been to this place, uh, which is really cool. So... Um, if you really find yourself gushing months later about some place that you've been, um, this is this is what you're kind of looking for. Um, so the the thing I got to go to this year was the Brandy Library in New York City. Oh yeah, um, this was just a real highlight, and I really loved our conversation we had about this because neither one of us knew that we both had been you know to uh, the Brandy Library. Um, I got to go two or three times this year, and um, you know, the first visit that I had there, um, I was really treated like royalty by the staff. You know, the owner of the place, um, you know, sat with me. And uh, it was just a really great evening. And, um, you know, it's really cool that you've been there as well. And I know that uh, you really had a great experience at Brandy Library as well. I this, did. This year, too. Yeah, which yeah is this, pa- this past year, I, I will tell you that I had a, um, a great buddy who is a uh, scotch blender and maker and he I was in New York and he decided to take us out and after we went to one bar which was called Hogs and Heifers which is mm-hmm. very much the coyote ugly we're going to spray is. you with water right. and yell at you through a megaphone um, we then changed gears and went to the Brandy Library and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you I was just I was floored I mean how cool are those shelves and the walls and then you get this this menu of just spirits that's is i mean it's just so thick and you just get lost in it it uh, it truly is a, a candy store for uh, people that uh, really enjoy distilled products and uh, i can't say enough good things not only about their selection but mostly about their staff oh such good um, people <clears throat> i mean uh you know, Jason and I can really hang tough, you know, in, in a room like this. And especially with, you know, a vast inventory like that, I was intimidated. Um, and that is really saying an awful lot. And I really enjoyed leveraging the the staff there to kind of help navigate through uh, some things. So um, I actually uh, uh, got to go back to uh, there several times. The first time I'm going to talk about the tasting I went to uh, was a stave of Armagnacs. And the second time I went back, I actually went back for a tasting of Jura uh, scotch. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third time I just went with a couple of friends. And I can't even remember what, you know, everything I had that evening. But it was all really awesome. Um, the, uh, you know... I guess the thing is, is that we both go to a lot of really grand tastings, you know, with rooms of just a thousand plus products. And, you know, my palate is like blown after about, you know, 300 of them you know, most <laughs> of the time. Um, but it's just this very simple sitting that I had at Brandy Library. I had one stave. Now, stave is a, a it's the a piece of wood out of a barrel. So there mm-hmm. are multiple staves that go around. And so they, it's actually just a piece of curved wood, you know, that's uh, off a barrel. And they use this as a presentation piece. Um, and uh, they actually line up 10 glasses on the stave. And uh, in this case, they um, it was a combination of they let me pick some Armagnacs and then I let them pick some on top of that. So they kind of look where my palate was going and then they actually stack some other things on top of that. 
And then it kept on pouring more things <laughs> after I had the tent, too. And I'm going to talk about one of those that was off the stave. But, uh, you know, it was just uh, absolutely left me breathless. Um, I mean, I really love Armagnac uh, to you know begin with. And it's one of these things that I... I don't get to sit down and enjoy it maybe as, as much as I'd like, you know, I, I will say that this is kind of how the thought process goes. I'll sit down and I'll consume some really great wine and the end of the evening will hit and I'll go, you know what? I'm just not quite done. My palate's not quite done. And I will go for a tawny port, um, is what I'll end up having or, um, or I'll have a Ruby port. Um, so I'll end up having some more port wine, you know, nine times out of 10. And then inevitably, like the next day, I go, crap, man, I wish I'd had some Armagnac instead. <laughs> that would have been the better finish on, you know, the back end of that wine than really having probably as much port as I probably can, you know, consume. And so sitting down and getting to enjoy, you know, these Armagnacs were really good. And, um, you know, it's just a pure candy land uh, in there for just any distilled spirits, you know, aficionado. I mean, uh, it's really just amazing. So I have to tell you about the highlight of this tasting was um, a 1966 uh, Le, uh, Lubade uh, Armagnac. Now, Chateau Lubade uh, was founded in 1870 with the uh, La yeah, I butchered that. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to correct you on that one. I have no clue. Uh, it's a family in France <laughs> so, who began expanding their ownership of wineries and distilleries in the region beginning in 1974 under the Vendeball Le name uh, when they first purchased about 100 hectares in the Basse Armagnac region. A lot of Armagnacs from Basse Armagnac. So. Uh, the company remains family owned and is independent to this day. Which is pretty rare, mm-hmm. um, even for Armagnac. So uh, today they actually own about 105 acres or hectares. I'm sorry uh, of their own vineyards, and they distill their own product in a traditional uh, Albex uh, pot still, and uh, they actually age uh, using wood from their own property. So it's not like oh, they that's go. That's really and, neat. Yeah, it's really kind of cool. Um, how you have this really kind of closed loop, you know, system. So um, it's, it's really quite amazing. Um, they actually use seven different aging cellars, and um, they really kind of work hard to kind of get the right blend um, on this. So um, this particular product uh, is uh, considered a VSOP or very special old pale. So if you ever see that on the label and you ever want to know what that is, that's what VSOP stands for. It doesn't mean old and expensive. <laughs> <laughs> or as the, as the clerk says, are you sure you can afford that, sir? <laughs> so uh, in the VSOP expression, they actually mentioned the Eugenie Blanc and the uh, Full Blanc uh, are actually very dominant um, in the very youngest blends um, you know, that are only aged about six years. So, um, you know, it's really, uh, the way I would describe, you know, some of the tasting around this, it's, uh, it's very vanilla. It has kind of a prune flavor to it and a fish, a finish that just keeps on lasting and just layers and layers and layers and layers of wood. The Willet that we had tonight mm-hmm. was like the one thing that reminded me a lot of the experience of this particular Omniac. So, um, definitely if you, uh, have the chance uh, to try this product, I definitely would encourage you to uh, check this oh out. I'll give goodness. that a five for sure yeah. for the 66 yeah. Lebade Armagnac. Yeah. 
Now, I spent a lot of time in New York City. I ended up hanging out the, at the Waldorf Towers. Fabulous hotel. I mean, it's a really great place mm. um, to uh, stay in New York. I was very fortunate to be able to stay there as long as I did. And I found myself as a fixture in the lobby bar. <laughs> um, so if you don't know, uh, there are several bars in the Waldorf Astoria. Um, there's one in the lobby, and then there's the bull and the pig um, down. It's, it's down at the street level. Um, it's very famous. It's so famous, I can't remember the name. <laughs> so, um, uh, there are a couple other uh, bars um, in there. They're not open all the time, but the one in the lobby is, is open um, quite a bit. And it really is very much a gathering place um, in, in that bar. A uh, real treat that I had was the Four Roses 2014 Limited Edition Small Batch. It was actually just you know right there at the bar one evening. And I just happened to notice it's behind the bartender. I was like, hey, can I have some of that? And he's like, yeah, it's not even on the menu yet. He's like, you must know. Ah, yes, I know. <laughs> so he's like, yes, Mike, I know you know. Let's and we actually tasted it together, and um, it was really fabulous. Um, and you asked me about it earlier, and I'm not really a traditional Four Roses fan, and but there was something about this particular batch that I just felt like it was moving me into a space where I was like, hmm, this is actually pretty cool. I really liked it a lot. Um, it wasn't probably what I would consider very typical Four Roses. Everything was kind of kicked up exponentially mm -hmm. in it. It was just a, it was a really great rendition. Um, <clears throat> you have killed uh, several bottles of some rather nice 1995 Bordeaux one evening with a lovely <laughs> group of people on a very fat expense account. I've sat with Dukes um, and other royalty. I've kept wives and future ex-wives company at the bar. <laughs> and uh, I've watched more than a few actually get lost in the ambience of that bar at the Waldorf. So, you know, it was really kind of a great experience in New York, just kind of, you know, all the way around. I mean, really enjoyed this experience at... Um, <clears throat> you know, at the Brandy Library, but yeah, you know, I mean, just kind of hanging out there at the Waldorf. You know, I mean, I really, you know, I kind of, uh, I kind of got to grow on me rather quickly. A lot of great drinks. Um, the one that you may have saw uh, posting on our Facebook site was the White Campari. I mean, that was a really fabulous drink, and I really enjoyed uh, the way they made that. The bittering component around that was just a really fabulous product. Well, Jason, I know you get around as much as I do, not just in New York and not just the Brandy Library. <laughs> what are some of the things that you did this year? Well, I can tell you that I went down to New Orleans, um, and I can tell you that I found a couple honey holes down there. Um, one of my favorites being the Bourbon House down Ooh, on Bourbon Street. Of course. Oh, yeah. I've been and, there. And I will tell you that I got to try, um, which turned out to be one of my favorite whiskeys, um, which was the Michter's 20-year-old, uh, the the Stitzel Weller juice. Sure, wasn't the Michter's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I will tell you, I mean, what a cool experience. Their their whiskey list is fantastic. Um, very cool ambiance. I mean, you can go and have a $150 whiskey and then walk out and, you know, just be on Bourbon Street with all the drunkards of New Orleans. So great experience. Yeah, definitely. I love the carousel bar there. And, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, definitely uh, some of the large uh, restaurant places. Um, I spent a lot of time in New Orleans yeah. um, with a with a client that I had there and really got to know the city probably just a little too well. <laughs> um, and we could probably have a whole other show, but oh, uh, yeah, I would could. definitely say uh, Bourbon House is really great. Uh, you know, I... Um, I can yep. tell you, we also went to the uh, the Windsor Court Hotel. That's where we stayed at. Yeah. And I got to try one of my uh, 
elephants, my my big boy, my whale, and that was the A.H. Hirsch 16-year-old. I got to try that for the very first time. Wow. And I will tell you, not that impressed. Huh. Save your money. Save your money. Interesting. Well, um, <clears throat> any other events that you went to? I know you talked about a uh, tasting that you went to uh, as well, right? Well, I go through tastings all the time, but yeah, I can tell you that, um, you know, we go to a lot of industry tastings, which are really unique, very cool. You get to try all the stuff that's coming out, all the stuff the distillers are putting out. But I will tell you my, you know, and we had this conversation earlier, my, my favorite experience this past year has just been, you know, I made some friends, uh, here in Nashville where I live and, you know, they're, they're bourbon collectors just like me. And what we decided to do was we we decided to invite some of the biggest collectors from Kentucky to come down to Nashville, and we were all going to go to this one person's house. Everybody was going to bring their bottles. Nobody knew what anyone was bringing, and we were just going to drink whiskey and talk. And I mean, some of these people, you know, I had never met any of these people. I had no idea what I was walking into. So much so that I took a case of liquor into the house with me and I left a case of liquor in the car because I <laughs> oh, didn't Oh, you were as bad as me. Oh yeah, because I didn't know if I wanted to, you know, bring in some of my good bottles for these people. You know, I just didn't know are these people gonna be oh, you know so putting Coca-Cola in a bottle of Pappy. <laughs> oh, I just I just I didn't know what I was walking into. But I will tell you, I mean what an incredible experience. I mean we got to taste bottles you know, that were released right after Prohibition all the way up to now. I mean, people were bringing stuff from Japan that was Japan-only released bourbon, you know, stuff that I, you know, I'll never get to see again, you know, stuff that I found out, oh, I didn't know I was a fan of that. And I had no idea. I was just, I needed to drink the whiskey that was made 20 years ago, not the stuff that they're pumping out today. I just, I had no idea. So, you know, if I was to give a recommendation out there to, you know, people who are really wanting to get into the collecting, you know, trying some of the higher end stuff, make some friends. And I mean, seriously, you get to try stuff that you don't have to spend a fortune on and you all get to share. And I mean, it becomes a really incredible experience. Mm. Well, the only thing I'm pissed about this is a you lost my phone number. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get my invite to this to this shit day. I was probably hanging out in New York anyway. So, uh, but uh, absolutely, uh, you know, I got a, a lot of uh, private tastings. You know, quite a bit. I actually host you know quite a quite a few tastings as well. And uh, yeah, I think uh, when you have a natural passion for so many of these products, you know, I think that that's a that's that's a great way of um, uh, I think experiencing things with well, one without such a hit to your wallet and your budget, but if anything, you get to uh, expand your concept about you know those products as well by mm-hmm. hearing other people's opinion that you you know that you probably value you know their opinion about it as well. Absolutely. So. I mean, not to mention you walk into a room with you know twenty to twenty five people, and I mean you don't know anything about them. But, you know, 10 minutes later, y'all are all best buddies because y'all are all relating to this one thing that you're, everybody's passionate about. I mean, it, it, it was a very, very cool experience. Well, Jason, if you lost my phone number, that email address is info at com. <laughs> Sorry, I had to rag him about that. <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, we've had a really great time today uh, talking about some really fabulous stuff from 2014. And I think uh, I am just 
really thrilled about what's ahead of us here for 2015 already. I mean, I I just uh, I really love kind of you know so many trends that we've talked about today, and I'm really looking forward to a lot of great things that we get to talk about hopefully next year as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very much looking forward to what people are going to put out in 2015. I think there's going to be some serious trends. You know, we had talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. I think 2015 is the the year of the cask strength, as, mm-hmm. as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, we've already heard, you know, Jack Daniels is going to put out a cask strength whiskey, which is, I mean, who knew that was coming? Yeah, I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, domo ergato to our listeners here on Sip of Salt and Smokes. Because <laughs> I think you're going to taste a lot of Japanese whiskey. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a lot of Japanese whiskey this year. That is for sure. You can catch all of our episodes online on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, PRX, YouTube, Uncle John's Basement, and Spreaker, our native media host. Our terrestrial radio stations are questioning every single time, hey, those guys are actually drinking whiskey and we're paying them. What's up with that? Well, anyway, they're still choosing to put us on the air. Listen, if you enjoy this show and you'd like to hear it on your favorite radio station, send them a ball of that Willet from the gift shop. <laughs> You'll make a lot of friends that way, won't you? Maybe they'll put this show on the air. Uh, send them a note and copy us as well. And listen, you can reach us anytime online at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter. Our handle on Twitter is at sipsudsmokes. Our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. Listen, do us a favor. We didn't ask you anything to enjoy the show, but we would love for you to rate the show uh, online. And that was a really big help to us. And we get to see your feedback as well. I want to thank my co-host for being here today. Jason, thank you once again. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And, you know, you, you told me that I needed a little catchphrase. So I'm going to, my catchphrase for this year is going to be, uh, life's too short drink something great Ooh, i like that and you started today with pear brandy yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's good about mike asking you to come back and join us once again and to keep on sipping Tan Hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.